if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country cheers the Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, on this Thursday. It is the 19th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. The world is burning and we have no representation in Congress. American embassies, American bases are being attacked around the world. Protests spiraling out of control, leading to attacks. We have the United States Capitol being sieged by radical leftists, many of them actually Jewish, because these are individuals storming the Capitol, joining with the Palestinian, the pro-Hamas Palestinians screaming for a ceasefire because they don't have any skin in the game. They're Jews here in the United States who aren't in Israel and apparently have no people in Israel that they care about because they are screaming for a ceasefire. Rashida Tlaib is screaming on the Capitol, at the Capitol, screaming about something that didn't happen. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are pledging their humanitarian aid and support, not for Israeli victims, but for Gaza, for the Palestinians. All of this is going on, and where is the Republican leadership? In the United States of America, half of this country is Republican. Not a word! Because we don't have a gosh darn leader. We have presidential candidates trying to say some things. Ron DeSantis is out there 
leading the best that he can, offering some sort of suggestions and solutions for what's going on, expressing unequivocal support for Israel and Israeli victims rather than Palestinians and Hamas. That's about it. How and why? Because the Republicans are screwing around in, in Congress trying to figure out where to find a leader. Because Matt pompous ass Gates set the whole thing on fire. He lit a match and then ran away without any plan whatsoever to control the burn. We got no speaker. Jordan lost a vote. Then he lost another vote. And the plan going forward is, I don't know, keep trying to have more votes because there's nobody else emerging that can get 217 votes to create a speaker that can get Congress back to work and get the Republicans to have a say in what is going on as the world burns around us. We're being dragged closer and closer and closer into war. And we have no representation in the People's House of Representation. Yes, that is the core of the House of Representatives. They're supposed to represent us, and we have nobody there to do it because we have no leader. Because we're still fighting over that. All because Matt Gates had got his feelings hurt by Kevin McCarthy. Over an ethics charge, an ethics complaint that he didn't think McCarthy did enough to protect him from. Now he got nothing. Don't you think it would help us right now, rather than listening to that senile, doddering, old, stumbling, bumbling, falling asleep while talking to the Israeli leaders in front of the press? Then we need somebody representing us and speaking for American policy besides him? He's standing up there saying, I'm sending $100 million. Not to Israelis. Not to Israeli victims. To Gaza. Which means to Hamas. Send $150 million, $100 million of American... We got 200 plus Israeli hostages, an unknown number of them Americans who were either living or visiting Israel, living in or visiting Israel. We don't know how many of the hostages are Americans. We don't know their names, but we know that 29 Americans were killed in the siege. An unknown number have been taken hostage, and our president goes over there. Does he negotiate the release of the hostages? No. He pledges a hundred million American taxpayer dollars to the people who took the hostages. I mean, that's that's that just defies common sense. It defies logic. It defies reality. Did it really happen? It can't have happened. How could that happen? Did that really happen? Yeah, it really freaking happened. And you want to know how and why? Because we have a senile, ignorant tool of the globalists running American policy. The man went there and fell asleep in the middle of his own words while talking. 
just like your 90-year-old grandma or grandpa or great-grandma or great-grandpa does when, they, when they're, they're talking and then they just nod off. This is the guy establishing our policy for crying out loud. Aid to Gaza or what exactly? On everything. (laughs) No, I'm very blunt about the need to support getting humanitarian aid to Gaza. Not to Israel. To Gaza. And you say, well, that's humanitarian aid, Bob. That's not like he's arming Gaza with that or uh, Hamas with that money. Do you know anything at all about Gaza? Do you know anything at all about the Palestinians there? Do you know anything at all about Hamas that rules over all of Gaza with an iron fist? They deny people their basic necessities of life. You think they're going to see $100 million coming in and they're going to allow it to be used to purchase aid for the people? You don't think Gaza is or Hamas is going to seize every single red American cent of that and use it to fund their own operations? Joe Biden is arming, funding, and aiding Hamas. And where's the pushback from the Republicans? Where's the pushback from from reasonable people who are supporters? of the victims of this attack, which is Israel. There are none. Because we don't have a leader. Because while all of this is happening, we're fighting over a speakership that should not have been vacated. And like I said, there's very little in the way of leadership coming from anywhere in the Republican Party outside of some of the presidential candidates Primarily Ron DeSantis. President Trump is very busy in court. It's not that he doesn't care. He does. He's making some statements. He condemned Biden for the same exact thing. But he's so busy being dragged through uh, uh, indictment after indictment and trial after trial and pre-trial motion after pre-trial motion and all the other crap that's going on right now. President Trump can't devote his full attention to this. So President Trump is out there. Ron DeSantis is out there. Who else? There's nobody in Congress. Joe Biden just pledged $100 million, which is something that's out of his purview because Congress controls the purse strings. We don't even have a leader in Congress to, to, to bring such a thing to a vote. Joe Biden, he's more concerned with now trying to engineer aid taxpayer money to Gaza, which will be commandeered by Hamas, than he is about getting these uh, hostages out uh, who are being held by Hamas. We have American hostages. We have a lot. There's obviously a lot of Israeli hostages. And my position on this is very simple. No U.S. taxpayer money to Gaza. No support for Hamas. And we have to stand by Israel's right uh, to defend themselves, and that means they have to see this through so that this never happens again. That is a statement that is unequivocal. It's not ambiguous. It's not a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of appeasement and a little bit of strength. No, it is unambiguous. It is completely 100% accurate. That's how it has to be. Compare that to, I don't know, mumbles. Let's Let's listen to mumbles and giggles as she tries to make a strong statement in support of Israel. I, like so many of you, am deeply grateful for the leadership of President Joe Biden. 
Throughout, he has, as he always does, demonstrated strength, compassion, and moral clarity. He's funding terrorists, you bubble-headed bimbo. And that is exactly what our country and our world needs in this moment. As we have constantly made clear, our support for Israel's security is unwavering. Except that it's wavering when you arm and fund the terrorists, you bubble-headed bimbo. And Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas terrorists. And let us be clear, terrorism is never justified. What about when you and your boss fund it? You greenlit, in exchange for five hostages, $6 billion to be made available to the Iranians, who then took their dollars and sent them to Hamas, where they have assembled thousands and thousands of rockets and missiles to rain down upon the head of the Israeli state before sending in their barbaric, satanic, subhuman, savage animals to murder and rape the people. You helped fund that. But please tell us more about Joe Biden's strength and compassion. And as I said yesterday, Israelis and Palestinians must have equal measures of security and prosperity. How can you claim equal measures when only one side rapes and tortures and kidnaps the other side? How can you draw a moral equivalence between victimized Israelis and Jews and the savage marauding, uh, marauders that are Hamas Palestinians. How dare you? And I support the right of the Palestinian people to dignity, freedom, and self-determination. Hamas does not represent these aspirations. But Hamas does represent those Palestinian people. And yes... Those Palestinian people represent Hamas. The time to recognize that you cannot draw a distinction between them is upon us. When Palestinians are chanting in support of Hamas and against the victims in Israel, outside of American embassies across the Muslim world, outside of American bases, outside in American campuses, and inside the United States Capitol, when pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas Crowds gather like that around the world to support the terrorist group and demonize the victims. You have zero moral equivalence.
And you have to recognize that the Palestinians are Hamas, and Hamas is the Palestinians. There can be no other way to see the situation any longer. When you have a Palestinian-American in Congress, Representative Sharia Tlaib, standing outside of the Capitol, telling lies, telling lies about Israel, saying that Israel bombed a hospital, despite the fact that it has been debunked and disproven by Hamas video and Hamas uh, wiretapped, or not wiretapped, but radio uh, communications. They did it. Not intentionally, but they did it. And she's still out there repeating the lie to demonize Israel and gin up more anti-Semitic hatred for Jews. And this is, this is impossible. You can no longer separate Hamas from Palestinians. All Palestinians are now Hamas. All of Hamas now represents all Palestinians. I think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children. You hear the shaking in her voice, by the way, in Sharia Tlaib's voice? Remember, this is the same piece of, of, of human excrement that refused to condemn the chopping off of Israeli children's heads when she was uh, questioned for a minute and ten seconds during a speed walk through the Capitol halls by a reporter from Fox Business. Asked, what, six, seven, eight times do you condemn the beheading of children, burning children alive by Hamas? She would not condemn it. Now she's standing there, shaky-voiced, talking about how a hospital full of children was bombed, which, of course, it was, but not by Israel. You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and, and the people telling the kids don't cry. And, like, let them cry. And they're shaking. And somebody, you know this, they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic. They they can cry. I can cry. We all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. You're crying in the wrong direction, though. You're, You're crying about something that you did. Your people did this. Your Palestinian people in Hamas or in Gaza, which are represented by the party of leadership, which is Hamas, Hamas blew up your little hospital. And oh, by the way, all of that is even in doubt. There are multiple reports now that say the rocket didn't even land on the hospital. It landed in a parking lot next to the hospital. And the actual 500 children and women dead argument is wholly unsubstantiated. But assuming that anyone was killed by that rocket, the fact that it was fired by you, Sharia Tlaib, you, as you shake and cry for the Palestinian victims, are one of the Palestinian uh, and Hamas supporters. You own this. You're responsible for this. So we got... Kamala Harris trying to create a moral equivalence between Israel and the terrorists. You got Sharia up there lying, 
about what the actual terrorists did and who was responsible. And then you got the President of the United States slurring his way through another speech in which he's telling the Israelis, you can be mad, but don't be too mad. Because if you if you get too mad, then then you know then you're going to do things that uh, the world isn't going to like. In other words, if you get mad enough to defend yourself by going into and invading Gaza and removing Hamas root and branch, well, then the support from the rest of the world will be in question. Justice must be done. But I caution this: while you feel that rage, don't be consumed by it. After 9-11, we were enraged in the United States. While we sought justice and got justice, we also made mistakes. I'm the first U.S. president to visit Israel in time of war. I've made wartime decisions. I know the choices are never clear or easy for the leadership. There's always cost, but it requires being deliberate. It requires asking very hard questions. It requires clarity about the objectives and an honest assessment about whether the path you're on will achieve those objectives. That's Joe Biden. Code speech for don't invade Gaza. Be clear about whether the pathway that you are using to those objectives is the right one. That is him doing exactly what we said he would do on this program yesterday and on Monday or Tuesday. He was going to go to Israel with the intention of trying to talk Bibi Netanyahu out of destroying all of Hamas. All in deference to the quote-unquote innocent Palestinians in Gaza. I'm here to say such innocence is gone. Hamas is Palestinians, is, is Hamas is Palestinians. They are, there is no distinction between the two anymore. Not when you have Palestinians around the world who say they're not Hamas, but they are demonizing and criticizing Israel and supporting the terror organization. I hope this is not ambiguous. They may be. I will not be. Hopefully you will not be as well. If we are unequivocal, as Joe Biden said in our support of Israel, then gosh dang it, start acting like it. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. So we've got um, we've got uh, Dr. Everett Piper coming up in a half an hour at about 1010. We've got uh, Mahek Cook from uh, Ohio Right to Life from Protect Protecting Women, uh, Ohio Women, Ohio, uh, in the issue one fight. She's going to join us at uh, 1035 this morning. Uh, the rest of it is yours. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I apologize for doing the whole first opening rant slash monologue uh, without our pledge of allegiance. So let's go ahead and take care of that right now, friends and patriots. Please stand and join me for this pledge of allegiance. If you are a supporter of Palestine, you are a supporter. Well, there is no Palestine. If you are a supporter of the Palestinians who support Hamas, you do not support freedom, liberty. Or this country. So therefore, don't fake it. You don't have to uh, pledge your allegiance here. You may take a knee instead. While the rest of us stand and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
Ted Cruz was on Hannity last night saying what needed to be said. Look, absolutely, yes. You and I both know Prime Minister Netanyahu very well. He has pledged to eradicate Hamas. That is the right thing. And there are three things that are critical for us to do. Number one, we need to cut off the money to Iran. The Biden administration has flowed nearly $100 billion to Iran. Joe Biden and his administration is in a very real sense funding this attack. We need to cut it all off. We need to cut the $6 billion off. That was a ransom for American hostages that basically set a bounty for Iran to go take but more they American said, hostages. They, said they had a secret deal. How do you have a secret deal that you trust if it's not ratified by the Senate? Well, look, they've been engaged in secret deals from the beginning. Biden's number one foreign policy priority was to enter into another Iran nuclear deal. But their answer is funnel billions of dollars into Iran. The Ayatollah is a theocratic, homicidal, genocidal maniac who leads mobs enchanting death to America and death to Israel. And if you look at the four pots of money that have gone to Hamas, you've got the six billion to Iran, you've got three weeks before that ten billion to Iran, again from the Biden administration. The biggest pot is eighty billion dollars because Biden will not enforce the oil sanctions. So Joe Biden and the Democrats are allowing Iran today to sell two million barrels of oil a day, primarily to communist China. That is funding these Hamas terrorists. And then the fourth pot of money is the Biden administration sent hundreds of millions of dollars into Gaza after the Biden administration had concluded there was a high likelihood that money would go to Hamas to fund terrorism against Israel. We need to cut off all that money. No money for Gaza. No money for Iran. Shut off their oil sales. Starve them of cash. That's step number one. Step number two, we need to fund Israel's defensive weaponry, the Iron Dome missile defense, give them the weapons they need. And then step number three, Israel is going to be demonized by Democrats and the corrupt corporate media. We need to make clear that Hamas is using human shields and Israel has a right to defend itself. We need to stand up and speak the truth. Daniel Diggins! That was about a thousand times more clear than anything Joe Biden has said in the last 10 years. It's also more clear than anything anybody in Congress is saying, particularly on the House side, because they're too busy not being able to say anything because we don't have a speaker. Uh, Greg Gutfeld also was very clear about this yesterday. Well, part of that. This is, by the way, specific to the question I brought up earlier about why are some American Jews joining with the Palestinian terrorist supporters? in trying to support Hamas and blame Israel. Because they're the ones who are joining the calls for a ceasefire. In other words, they're calling for uh, an end to the response that should follow the original attack before the response even starts. In other words, they don't want Israel to defend themselves. Why would American Jews do that? Well, part of that thing is when he referred to Hamas as the other team. Yes. Uh, this isn't pickleball. Right. It's war. I mean, it's it's like these, these are not two sides with equal merit and equal dishonor. It's terrorists versus Israel. That little f- phrase really stuck with me. I know that the media would prefer brave revolutionaries versus evil colonizers. But remember, it was Barack Obama referred to ISIS as the JV team. So maybe it's his Democrats that do this. And enough with the ceasefire talk. We had a ceasefire. It was on October 6th. 
You know, you can't break a ceasefire, wage war and then call a ceasefire. The era of the free punch is over. Israel has decided. We've decided. So it's not your choice anymore, protesters. I mean, Jewish protesters calling for a ceasefire is like the typical leftist pleading not to arrest their mugger because he had a bad childhood. It's not going to work. You don't have a say over the justice that will be enacted because you weren't the one affected by it. That's the line. The end. You don't get a say in what happens over there because you weren't directly affected by it. If you're an American Jew and you don't have any actual friends or family, anybody in Israel, you don't get a say. You don't get to be, we Jews support Palestinians. We Jews support the two-state solution. We Jews support uh, the right of the Palestinian people to live freely and not be occupied by colonizers. If you're not, if you don't have skin in the game, your status as a Jew sympathizer for uh, for Palestinian causes is gone. You're just an American leftist without a freaking clue of what you're talking about. That's what you are. Understand that when we say, of course, that we are concerned about this. Extraordinary attack on Jews, the largest and the and the most devastating and destructive since the Holocaust itself, for crying out loud. It doesn't give every person who is Jewish a pass to be to be right about everything, especially if they are literally siding with the the uh, the terrorists and saying no, don't don't go root them out, don't go kill Hamas because they killed a bunch of uh, Jews in Israel, don't go kill Hamas because you know because peace and everything. We want peace. Well, Israel has wanted peace since it was founded. But when your neighbor doesn't want peace, it's hard to be peaceful, isn't it? I I I I did a I didn't upload it yet, but yesterday when I was driving to my other job doing my TV stuff, I did another road rant. Now I'll play it later, but I I think I referenced something similar to this on a show earlier this week. It's hard to keep everything straight now, but just to just to kind of let you know what what this whole idea of living peacefully is like for Jews and for Israel. And imagine being in a black family and you buy a house and and then you find out that the neighbor to your left is a family of KKK members and the neighbor to your right is a family of KKK members. And the family in the house across the street is KKK and the family that directly abuts your property in the, in in the rear is KKK. And we're talking about remnants of the old Ku Klux Klan. We're not talking about, you know, just, you know, people who are a little bit, a little bit mean and a little bit of, a little bit racist. We're talking about those who commit violent acts because of their racism and because of their hatred. And because you are now surrounded in the place you live by people who hate you and want you to die, occasionally they start attacking you. Occasionally they throw things at your house or they take shots at your house. And just to make sure that this isn't some some sort of a or, uh, perceived as some sort of a, an apology for the BLM movement, no, you could do it the other way around too. Imagine being a white family, and you live in a house that is surrounded by on on both sides militant, uh, 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 anti-racist um, black families that hate white people because they've been taught to by CRT. That are, you know, the people across street people are surrounded in all areas by people who hate you for being white. They think you are a descendant of, of whip crackers and they call you as much. They think you are uh, a descender of, of colonizers and you are oppressors 
and they are the oppressed, and they don't like it one bit. Maybe they're black gang members. Maybe they're gang members. And as gang members, they're violent people who, who again, will take shots at your house. And what do you do? So I don't want this to be you know one victimized group or another. And then, of course, the real example here, and this is what I did my road rants, is if you're a Jewish family and you move in to a house and then you find that the neighbors to the right and the left and in front of you and behind you are all neo-Nazis, are all you know, disciples of Hitler himself. And they hate you because you're Jewish. And they take shots at your house occasionally. And it's, it's so occasional that you have to put some sort of a, a security protocol in place and you tell your kids anything, something sounds louder than the clap of hands. You get under the bed. You get into the closet. You get to the basement because you don't know when bullets are flying through the windows. If you can imagine being a family living in a circumstance like that, then you can know what it is to be Israel. Because Israel is surrounded on all sides by people who hate them and want them to die and want them to not exist. You understand that? Israel is surrounded by hate. Surrounded, you know, Egypt to its south and west, Gaza on its west flank. Jordan to its east, Syria to its northeast, Lebanon to its north. On all sides, they're surrounded by people who want them to die, who don't want them to be there. And occasionally, what, did I, what was my metaphor? Taking shots at a house? Occasionally, they fire rockets and missiles at your house, meaning at the state of Israel. So much so that the kids and everyone is on the protocol, the safety p- protocol. When the siren goes off, you get to the underground bunker immediately. Because there's another attack from those who want you to die. Imagine living your life like that, not just in the middle of a wartime period like they are right now. That's your day-to-day existence. Because it has been like that for decades. It has been like that since Israel was founded. Or officially recognized by, by the international community. Does that give you a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here? And unless you're part of that... You know, Jews in America saying, oh, Israel brought it on itself, and Jews in America saying the Palestinian people have a right, and all of this other, unless you are are part of that, you don't get a say, or at least your say is no more viable or valuable um, than anybody else's. Just because you are Jewish doesn't mean you 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 get to say that I don't care about Israel and I I value uh, the lives of the the Gazans and the Palestinians uh, as much as I do the Israel. No, you don't. Peace doesn't happen because one side wants to be peaceful. Peace only happens when the other side says, yes, we want to be peaceful too. Well, in this conflict, the Palestinian side does not want peace. So they don't get to stand up there and cry like Sharia Tlaib did yesterday, screaming at people who are supporting the side that wants peace, screaming at the side that supports Israel and defending the side that wants to continually attack. And to my president, to our president. Yes, he still are. Well, hold on. I mean, I, hey, I want him to know, as a Palestinian American, is also somebody of Muslim faith, I'm not going to forget this. And I think a lot of people are not going to forget this. And it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a threat. It isn't. 
they think we're joking. I mean, I think the White House and everyone thinks that we're just going to sit back and let this just continue to happen. No. The fact of the matter is, our lives are not safe with you or the forever peach president. When are we going to feel safe? When are we going to stop funding continued, literally, oppression of indigenous communities? When are we going to say enough? When are you going to feel safe, Representative Sharia Tlaib? Perhaps when you and your fellow Palestinians and fellow people of Muslim faith, as you describe yourself, stop supporting things like jihad. Stop supporting things like the genocide of the Jewish people. Stop supporting people whose mission, stated and in their charter, is to wipe out Israel. To wipe it from the face of the earth. Wipe it from every map. Maybe that's when you'll feel safe. You are not left feeling unsafe because of Israel, because Israel is not doing the attacking. Israel is the one doing the responding. So that's when you can feel safe. You want to know when you can feel safe? Ask your leaders in Hamas. And quite frankly, if you feel so strongly about supporting the Palestinian people, then drag your sorry, Sharia-loving ass back to Gaza. In fact, virtually everybody at that rally yesterday and at all of these protests in the United States who are wearing those, those uh, Palestinian scarves, those, uh, you know, this, this, this support for Palestine and the hatred and the demonization of Israel, every last one of them ought to be deported. I agree with Tom Cotton. Senator Cotton said any American who is of Palestinian descent or is, quite frankly, from anywhere in the world that is expressing support for Palestinian and Hamas attacks on Israel, blaming Israel for their own victimization, anybody who is doing engaging in that ought to have their visa stripped if they're here on visas and, and deported back to their home countries. And I think Sharia Tlaib would be a lot more, ha- a lot happier uh, with the Palestinians she loves so much if she was in Gaza. Go to Gaza. Don't stand here from the safety and the security of the American police forces and American military screaming about how evil the country that you represent is. You're bitching at Joe Biden. He's your Democrat president and complaining that he's daring to not side with Hamas more fully than he actually is. Daring, or or criticizing him for daring to express some sort of verbal support of Israel. You know, the evil Jews that you hate so much. If your hatred for this country is so strong, if your hatred for a president who supports as Israel in any way, even if it is only in words, because his actions show support for you, and your Palestinian terrorist supporters uh, of Hamas. He's given $100 million not to Israel. He's given $100 million to Hamas. What more do you want him to do? And if you still hate him, and you still hate uh, uh, the United States for supporting Israel, then perhaps this is the wrong country for you to represent in Congress. Perhaps you would be be more comfortable in Gaza City. Drag yourself back there. Apparently, this wasn't enough for her either. We mourn the loss of innocent Palestinian lives like the entire world. I was outraged and saddened by the enormous loss of life yesterday in the hospital in Gaza. Based on the information we've seen to date, it appears a result of an errant rocket fired by a terrorist group in Gaza. 
then why was why why were you why were you outraged? I'm struggling on that one. Smoke and Joe, why were you outraged? I can understand being saddened by the loss of life. First of all, we don't know how many lives were lost in that hospital. But since you know it wasn't done by Israel, and it was an errant rocket, why outraged? How about being outraged that they're firing rockets, period, aimed at Israel? That's what should outrage you. You should be outraged that they're firing rockets at Israel. And the fact that one of them went off course and petered out and landed in Gaza on that side of the border and then may have killed some people in a hospital, what this guy says is so extraordinarily confusing because I think he is extraordinarily confused. I would like somebody to be much more clear. Governor, I don't know if you're able to, you're near a screen at all or by your phone uh, watching, but you're seeing these protests outside our embassy in Lebanon. Uh, we got some Marines on the inside, but that's a scary situation. Yeah, no doubt, uh, but I think a lot of that has been fueled by what you pointed out. You had media organizations uh, jumping the gun, pursuing a narrative about this hospital, basically taking the word of Hamas for it, that this was somehow an IDF strike on a hospital, when in fact it was a rocket fired by Palestinian Islamic Jihad that misfired and, and hit the hospital. And so the media ran with that. That stoked a lot of uh, rage throughout the region and it was false so i think this shows israel what they're up against because they obviously have to conduct operations to be able to eliminate hamas and eliminate that threat once and for all uh, but they are going to be fighting in an environment uh, where so much of the media is going to be arrayed against them so much of the intelligentsia internationally united nations all these different things and it's just important that america stand with them uh, have moral clarity and say you know what they were the victims of this attack. They have a right to protect their people, and they have a right to see this through. Moral clarity is something that is absolutely not understood and not possessed by the radical American left. Certainly not by Joe Biden. Certainly not by Kamala Harris. Certainly not by uh, by uh, Sharia Tlaib. You want to know who actually made a statement on the Democrat side? Blows me away. Blows me away. Made a statement that actually did possess moral clarity. I was stunned by it when I heard it. John Fetterman, the Cro-Magnon man that has been propped up in Pennsylvania to be a senator who can't speak, who shouldn't be in his position because of a lot of reasons. We all know about his brain injury and so forth. But John Fetterman actually stood strong and declared that no, we should not be calling for a ceasefire. A ceasefire should happen only after Hamas is destroyed. That's when we can have a ceasefire. That's stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. Fetterman tweeted yesterday, It's truly disturbing that members of Congress rushed to blame Israel for the hospital tragedy in Gaza. Who would take the word of a group that just massacred innocent Israeli civilians over our key ally? So, believe it or not, there is actually some semblance of, of reason and common sense over on the, on the left, and it actually comes from John Fetterman, not Joe Biden. We'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. 
We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, eight minutes after 10 o'clock. That was a... Uh... That was a pretty passionate first hour, and uh, how could it not be? Thanks for being with us on this Thursday, 19th morning, 10th month, year of our Lord, 2023. I don't know how it can't be, and if you're not as uh, passionate about this um, right now as you should be, then uh, you've really got to reevaluate your priorities. We, we, are not, we are not in a uh, situation where we're just watching as dispassionate observers something happening far, far away. If you do not think this is going to impact us here at home, you're just not paying attention. You're not. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not. You're not reading. You're not studying. You're not observant. You have to understand what is happening here. I think one of the best headlines I've seen about what's going on in Israel right now that we've been talking about in so much depth is uh, is this one. What happens in Israel will not stay in Israel. Higher education in the U.S. is responsible for that. They have lost their moral boundaries. That's part of the uh, column put forth by our good friend and our regular Thursday commentator, Dr. Everett Piper, who joins us again now. Dr. Piper is, of course, a Washington Times columnist. He is also a former university president. He's a best-selling author. He does a podcast radio program called uh, The Rebellion, and he is a county commissioner in Osage County, Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on. I hope you had a good uh, week last week. You took the day off, didn't we you? We did, yeah. We had a wonderful visit down to Knoxville where my daughter's in school uh, at the University of Tennessee Law School, and it was a, it was a very much-needed break. Uh, although I was still kind of working because I was still watching and studying and following everything that was happening after the uh, October 7th uh, attack on Israel. So um, I'm, I'm pretty much up to speed here. Uh, you, wrote a, you wrote a great piece that I just referenced in introduction there, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I just want to get your reaction to something that I just reacted to uh, in the last segment before the top of the hour. Of all of the places where I might seek moral clarity on what's happening in Israel, uh, very, very few of those places would be on the Democrat side of the ideological aisle. Uh, as a matter of fact, I listened to Joe Biden. He's equivocating in his support for Israel by sending $100 million of our aid not to Israel but to Gaza, which, of course, is going to go directly to Hamas because Hamas takes everything from Gaza. Uh, when I hear the squad continuing to call for a ceasefire so that uh, Israel cannot respond to what was done to them so that they can perhaps prevent it from happening again, while all of this is happening on the American left, of all places, Dr. Piper, John Fetterman, who pretty much hasn't been able to string two sentences together since his campaign and, of course, impacted by his stroke. But uh, he has just been a radical um, when he is you know, able to have somebody type it out for him. Um, and, and here's John Fetterman, quote, on Twitter from yesterday evening. Innocent Israelis were the victims of a terrorist attack that resulted in the target, uh, excuse me, the largest loss of Jewish lives since the Holocaust. Now we know that the tragedy at the Gaza hospital was not caused by Israel. I grieve for every innocent person and brave Israeli soldier killed since Hamas started this war. If not for the horrific attacks by Hamas terrorists, thousands of innocent, innocent Israelis and Palestinians would still be alive today. And here are the money lines. Now is not the time to talk about a ceasefire. We must support Israel in efforts to eliminate the Hamas terrorists who slaughtered innocent men, women, and children. Hamas does not want peace. 
They want to destroy Israel. We can talk about a ceasefire after Hamas is neutralized. I was blown away by that. Reactions? Well, there have been a couple very strong comments out there by surprising sources. There's no question. Fetterman is the perhaps the poster child of that example. But um, I, I guess the, the proof will be in the pudding as to how long he and some of his fellow Democrats, who have been strong in their statements, will stand by them, because the pressure is mounting right now, as we know. The protests and the rotunda at the Capitol being a foremost example. The pressure will build for everybody to start swinging to the side of moral equivalency here, where, well, it's, you know, it's, it's wrong to kill Jews, but it's also wrong to kill Palestinians. I mean, that, and, and, and I agree. I mean, any death is wrong, but when you have an enemy that's bombing you from across your natural borders, surely, in the spirit of Augustinian just war theory, you have the responsibility the right and the responsibility to respond to that threat. Because in responding, you're actually ultimately going to protect human life, more lives than you will compromise them. That is what led us into World War II. That's what led us into many of our wars, hopefully all of our wars, was the just war theory where we knew that to do otherwise would result in more lives lost rather than less. So Fetterman's on the right page now, but will he stay there, or will he compromise? Because his party clearly, clearly will soften as time goes on and will start parroting a lot of the stuff that you're hearing coming out of Rashida Tlaib and others in the squad where there's, you know, they're going to blame Israel because Israel's going to go on the offensive now. They're going to start eliminating Hamas, as they should, and they'll be blamed for all these deaths that we see reported in the Daily News. As Ted Cruz has said over and over again, the mainstream media, the legacy media, is essentially the Air Force. That's Cruz's quote. They are the Air Force for Hamas, meaning that the airwaves are used by the radicals, by Hamas and others, to propagate their agenda. And we buy the lie, because the media will start spoon-feeding at least 50% of the American people that get their news from the mainstream media, the legacy media, will start parroting that as a people. But I'll say this, and then I'll take a breath. Uh, One of the encouraging things right now that I think has liberated people like Fetterman to say what's right rather than parrot what's wrong is the data, the statistics. Uh, There was a poll out yesterday that I listened to, and I can't remember whether it was Gallup or whoever. I can't remember. Let's just say it was Gallup. There was only about a seven-point spread between Democrats and Republicans in terms of supporting Israel. If I remember correctly, Republicans support Israel right now to the tune of 77%. And Democrats are supporting Israel to the tune of 69%, which is quite stunning. We actually have come together in unity on this issue today. But you and I and others that are trying to continue to paint an accurate picture as to what's going on need to continue to do so. Otherwise, the momentum will swing to the left. It'll swing to the negative. Yeah, uh, that's very well said. And I think that is happening. You know... (sighs) I want to talk about moral clarity. You use that word. I use that word. Fetterman, I think, used that word, or maybe I used it describing Fetterman. And I want to apply it in some ways to your column that you actually ran yesterday about forgiveness. Uh, it was an Ask Dr. E, and just uh, briefly, uh, I'm having a hard time with forgiveness, says the person who wrote to you. There are just so many vile things going on in the world, I cannot bring myself to forgive people, some even within my own family, for their selfishness, arrogance, and the harm they do to others. Do you have any advice for someone like me who finds forgiving difficult, willing but not able, from Tulsa? And 
and before you give me a summary of your answer to that individual, there are some who are essentially trying to apply that now. Um, don't take blood because blood was spilled. Um, learn to forgive. But but there's a difference between forgiving an evil act and not wanting to take a life in 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 retribution for that and taking lives to prevent further loss of life, which is what we're talking about now. Um, because if this act of of unimaginable evil is not answered with an attempt to exterminate that evil, that evil will indeed rise up and more innocent blood will be spilled. Um, so can you address that from the standpoint, you know, from a moral standpoint of supporting Israel, bombing uh, targets strategically in Gaza, and then indeed following through the ground invasion to to rid the world of Hamas root and branch? Yeah, I can. I think the perfect example here, it's not perfect. We live in an imperfect world, and uh, all war is ugly, and certainly all war is far from perfect. But look at our involvement in World War II. I mean, we were enemies of Japan and Germany, okay? What happened immediately upon victory? We forgave. We forgave Germany. We forgave Japan. We move forward trying to solve problems rather than seek revenge. We didn't punish Japan and Germany, per se, after the war, war, war was over, because we recognized that ongoing vengeance was going to do nobody any good. And it would ultimately harm our own, our own country, our economy, our people, our security, our safety would be harmed if we continued to double down and seek vengeance, like the Muslim world does. Hundreds of years, thousands of years after a conflict, they continue to double down in vengeance. The Western uh, view of war is to seek peace by force if necessary. I'm greatly paraphrasing Augustinian theory here, but you seek peace by force if necessary. And when you secure that peace, you don't continue to demand vengeance. I mean, the, the, the Civil War would be another example in the United States. I mean, we were obviously split asunder in the United States, north against south. But what did we do after the war was over? The north didn't continue to punish the south, because Lincoln and then Grant thereafter knew that if we continued to punish the south, that we would never come together as a unified country again, and that we had to seek unity. We had to be one body, that a house divided could not stand, that vengeance was not the solution. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not for us to seek vengeance. But there's a huge difference between seeking vengeance and protecting your own, protecting your wife, protecting your children, protecting your constitutional freedoms. That's not wrong. Augustinian theory would make it clear that defending freedom is not morally wrong. Seeking vengeance just for the sake of vengeance, because you hate your adversary, is taking it a step too far. We could have hated the Germans. We, choose, we chose not to. We could have hated the Japanese. We chose not to. We could have hated the South as Northerners, but we chose not to. We chose the biblical worldview, which was forgiveness and reconciliation and unity, rather than ongoing hatred and vengeance. So, great, great response. Um, so let's go a little deeper into your column in a general sense now, uh, aside from vengeance versus protection uh, in, in, you know, in the need to, to wage war or in the need to take lives. Um, now let's talk about forgiveness in a bigger sense here. The question that was asked you by your reader um, talks about it in, in a, lot of, a lot of levels outside of you know, fighting for your own life and for your own safety and, and, and uh, protection. What about forgiveness? Well, 
if you don't forgive, and you know, I, I love Lewis. I quote him too many times probably on your show, but this is another good one. Lewis talks about this issue in The Great Divorce, which is a wonderful book that C.S. Lewis wrote, and it's a fiction of a, of a bus ride from hell to heaven. This bus pulls up in hell and, he, and invites a bunch of the folks in hell to get on the bus and ride to the gates of heaven. And the moral of the story is every one of those characters on the bus has the choice as to whether or not to be the servant of Christ in heaven or go back to hell on the bus and be the master of their own misery. Well, every one of them chose, chooses hell with the exception of one. So that's the context of this. Well, one of the characters on the bus that chooses the misery, the master of the, to be master of her own misery rather than to be the servant of Christ in heaven, is a woman who is a perpetual grumbler. That's all she can do while she walks around in hell, in purgatory, if you will. All she does is grumble. These people did this to me. These people did that to me. These people. She's holding a perpetual grudge. She's grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. And C.S. Lewis actually says that this woman becomes a grumble. She's not a grumbler anymore. She's a grumble. She becomes the very thing she despises. She becomes the personification of her sin. She loses her soul. Her soul is gone, and she doesn't even resemble an eternal creature creature that Christ created. She is now a walking, talking sin. And that is a great metaphor for what happens to us if we allow hatred to consume us to the point where we won't forgive. The hatred becomes the defining thing about us. We're not even a person any longer. You're not Bob. You're not Everett. You are a hateful thing. It's like an AI robot. That's all you know, and you just keep doing what it's been programmed to do. We program ourselves to be a sin rather than uh, a soul. And I think that is the lesson of forgiveness. If you don't forgive, I mean, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are told as Christians, you have to forgive. You can't hold a grudge. Otherwise, you will become a perpetual grudge without a soul. That's uh, that's very well done. Uh, and, and, and you can quote... You can quote uh, uh, Lewis and Chesterton as much as you want, because uh, you do it in your articles, and I love them, and uh, they always hit home when you bring them up here. So it's perfect. You do that as much as you want. So, Dr. Piper, moving on, and I, I want to stay in the you know in the theme of the the issue of the moment, which of course is this uh, new war <clears throat> in the Middle East, and I think we can apply it. Uh, to your column about facts and feelings. Um, you were questioned, you were challenged, if you will, and I know it's been a week, uh, uh, about uh, using Ben Shapiro's quote as often as you do, that facts don't care about your feelings. And I read your article actually just this morning, and it was terrific. Uh, and uh, and I think we can probably apply a lot of what you wrote about there to this situation, because there are a lot of feelings that people have that, you know, hey, in the interest of life, if you want to preserve life, similar to what we were talking about a moment ago, uh, you know, then you want to call for a ceasefire here. Well, the facts don't support those feelings, uh, and your feelings about uh, uh, Palestinians being, being uh, you know, made to feel as though they are being occupied or their land has been colonized by the Jews and so forth, the, your feelings don't don't change the facts of the situation. So uh, if you can find a way to merge those two things, the current event of the moment and your column, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, well, sure. I mean, um, th- th- we live in a day where feelings trump facts, and that's why I, I love Ben Shapiro's response to this. The facts don't care about your feelings because um, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. The facts need to prevail. You can feel like you're a woman till the cows come home, but you're not one. 
you're a male. So let's honor science, let's honor reality, and deal with that, the objective facts before us, rather than obfuscate the whole issue by laying our feelings over the top of everything. Well, when it comes to war, I mean, my land, we know for a fact that the, the bomb that destroyed the hospital in Gaza was a, was a Hamas missile or bomb that went awry and landed on the hospital. We know that. How do we know that? We've got aerial views of that. We've got radar of that. We have, um, we have audio. I just listened this morning on, I think it was Ted Cruz again, that there's an audio of the Hamas leadership discussing the errant bomb. So we've got audio recordings of the leadership of Hamas themselves admitting uh, they didn't know people were listening, but we were. We know that they acknowledged, at least privately, that the bomb was theirs. And we also have aerial views of that, um, drone views or satellite views, whatnot. Yes, yes. So the facts, the facts prove it, that this is not the Israelis' fault. But you still have Tlaib out there. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about the facts because the feelings, the propaganda is driven by the feelings. It's not driven by facts. Facts will trump propaganda. But if you want to win the propaganda war, you, also, you often do so by lies. And lies are often fueled by your feelings rather than correcting yourself, correcting the errors that you thought were, were, were in play at one given time. You correct them with facts. So this radical relativism that's driven by feelings is very dangerous. It's dangerous for women's rights in the United States because they're losing their rights because feelings trump facts, and men can enter women's bathrooms and sports because of feelings, and that's ridiculous. Facts should be facts. Women are women and men are men. And when it comes to war, what's the fact? Who blew up the hospital? There's an answer. It was either Hamas or it was Israel. And the facts are it was Hamas. Perfectly stated. And, and Dr. Piper, I apologize for doing this to you on the last minute here, but um, just your, your, your main column, uh, which I referenced at the beginning in the introduction, is about the college campuses and how things have changed so much, particularly uh, since uh, this whole thing started in Israel with the uh, Palestinian rallies and so forth. Do you want to address that maybe in the last 90 seconds? Sure. Um, it, it, we shouldn't be surprised that any of this stuff is happening because we've been teaching our students in our colleges and universities, and I'm not exaggerating, and I've got to do this quickly, I'm not exaggerating. Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, Yale, Berkeley, Brown, that's where these protests are coming from, where student organizations, 30 different separate student organizations sanctioned by Harvard came out the day after the bombing of Israel, the terrorist attack on Israel, and blamed Israel. 30 different Student organizations at Harvard. Now, why? It's because Harvard's been teaching this. Bad ideas, bad culture, bad results. And the bad ideas that we're teaching in our universities are playing themselves out right now. We're seeing the protests, and here's the thing. If we're teaching our own students to resonate with Hamas and defend them, defend the beheading of babies, do you think that those bad ideas are only going to bear fruit in Israel? Or do you think those same behaviors that you see in Israel, are going to start playing themselves out in the United States. If you don't think you're going to see the same stuff in the United States, you're you're crazy. You're crazy. What you see in Gaza today is going to be happening, perhaps in Galveston, tomorrow. Why? Because we're teaching it to our progeny, to our kids. 
Yeah, and uh, and they, when teamed up with those who have already brought that mentality here with them, that's why Tom Cotton is calling for the removal uh, and the re- revoking of any visas of anybody in this country right now that has indeed expressed support for publicly in one of those uh, events uh, for uh, Hamas and, and for Palestinian quote-unquote liberation. Get rid of them because they are simply going to be part of future attacks within our borders, and I completely concur. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper, that was a mouthful. A lot of stuff today. Great conversation. I appreciate your analysis. As always, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Bye. Thank you so much. 1028. Thank you. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob Frantz and the answer. All right, 1036. <clears throat> Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer as we talk about the ongoing horrific uh, situation in Israel that led to a massive loss of life uh, um, among men, women, and children uh, during that horrific October 7th attack. Um, there is a future loss of life. Uh, actually, let's par- let's rephrase. There's an existing loss of life that continues to go on in the state of Ohio and around the country because of rampant abortion um we are doing everything we can when i say we those of us who believe in life and the sanctity thereof are doing everything we can to try to protect and preserve pre-born lives but um if issue one passes in just a couple of weeks on november 7th babies will be slaughtered at an extraordinary rate that you cannot even imagine and it will happen in methods that you cannot even imagine because it will be legal um, in uh, in the late term of a pregnancy. As a matter of fact, all the way up until the moment of birth, according to the vague language that was intentionally written um, in the constitutional amendment, we will be deciding on. Let me turn to abortion. The ban on partial birth abortions or late-term abortions, you supported that ban. I did and I do. Late-term abortions were too much for Biden. But if issue one passes... In the ninth month, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb of the mother that's not okay with me republicans and democrats oppose the late-term abortions allowed under issue one join them vote no on issue one it shouldn't be a partisan issue it really should not that's one of the latest uh, ads by protect women ohio and we're joined now by one of the spokespersons for pwo as a part of ohio right for life attorney mahek cook joins us on am 1420 the answer mahek good morning it's good to talk to you again how are you Good morning, Bob. I'm doing well, but as you have mentioned, deeply concerned. We have so much going on in Israel, but we don't have to look any further than the state of Ohio to know what's on the line. And it is truly the life of an unborn, health and safety standards for women, and the evisceration of parental rights. And we have to stand strong regardless of whether you're pro-choice, pro-life, or somewhere in between. Issue one goes too far. It goes further than Roe v. Wade, and Ohioans must vote no. Yeah, that's well said. It does go further. And um, and we're going to talk about parental rights, and we're going to talk about all the other, other ambiguous language that they put in that uh, amendment uh, in a moment. But And this is going to... This is going to sound, you know, barbaric to talk about, but but it's it's barbarism, <clears throat> what is being done to babies in the womb, particularly those in the mid to late terms. Um, in Israel, the world was shocked to learn of the beheading of babies 
uh, on on October seventh. Um, Forty babies uh, uh, in one particular rural community area were found not just killed, like so many others, but beheaded. Which, of course, is just you know, it's it's sadistic barbarism. And um, when I found out about that, I actually tweeted about it, and I said, while you are rightly um, disgusted and horrified by the idea of a baby being beheaded, this is happening on a routine basis in, in, in Planned Parenthood clinics all over Ohio and all over the country, to be honest with you, because babies are dismembered. Um, it is not a painless procedure, particularly after a baby is pain-capable, after a central nervous system is formed and so forth, yet they, they, de- they, they literally dismember these babies one at a time. How can people be horrified at what they found out about what was happening in Israel and be okay with it happening in our, in our quote-unquote health centers in Ohio? I 100% agree with you. I can tell you as a mother with a one-year-old, and I'm expecting in December to see the file images and the reporting that was happening in Israel. It was shattering to see how anybody could dismember a child. But I agree with you. This is exactly what is happening across our country. And, you know, the other side always says, Bob, well, it doesn't happen much often. Yes, it does. The Gottmacher Institute, just have to Google it. 60,000 babies are aborted when they are at 15 weeks or greater, 15 weeks scientifically, central nervous system, you can feel pain. That is science. Can't deny that fact. The life of the mother, they're healthy, baby is healthy. 60,000 abortions a year across America. So anybody who tells me that Personal birth or full-term abortions aren't happening. Just go to the Internet and Google it. It's happening every day on our watch. It's extremely hypocritical to sit here in America and think, my gosh, what's happening in Israel when it's happening in our country? And we have to stop it. And we have the godfather who pioneered partial birth abortions, Dr. Martin Haskell. He is the one who created this abhorrent technique of partial birth, dismembering children while they are able to feel pain. And let me tell you, the number one donor to the other side and the ACLU, $100,000 given by the Dr. Martin Haskell, because this is his business plan. He intends to perform these painful, life-altering surgeries on our children, and it is disgusting. Disgusting. And that is what Ohio is. That's one of the provisions Ohio would have voted on. And the ACLU had the pen, Bob. The ACLU could have stated what is viability in our in our state law today. It's 22 weeks. That's the ban. Fine. ACLU could have written a provision that stated viability is defined by the Ohio Revised Code and stated the 22-week ban. They didn't. They could have stated 15 weeks. They didn't. They have left it up to the abortionist to determine viability. And that is up until birth, and that is not Ohio, and that is not acceptable. That's not common sense. Yeah, that's a great message that um, PWO and the Ohio Right to Life and others have been making in opposition to Issue 1. 
is that it is just so extreme, even if you are pro-choice. Generally speaking, this is so extreme, it's something you cannot abide by. Uh, you, uh, I played you that clip there from the one uh, spot that ran <clears throat> of Joe Biden. Now, this is uh, earlier in his career and in his life, his public life, where he talked about being completely opposed to this, and now it would appear that he would, uh, he would, he would, he might question that himself because he does not want to alienate a, you know, the pro-choice or I call them pro-death base. But the reality is, even for pro-choicers, um, the idea of, of killing a baby when the baby is pain-capable, the idea of killing a baby in the third trimester or after the baby is viable and can survive outside the womb when adoption services are available, if you just allow that baby to be delivered, you don't have to keep it if you don't want to. I mean, all of these things were at least reasonable exceptions for those who are pro-choice, and those are wiped out by the language in Issue 1. Um, there is no... There is no viability standard. There is no, as you say, 15-week pain-capable standard. If the mom doesn't want, the the prospective mom doesn't want the baby and the abortionist agrees, then ninth, ninth month or, or at any time, out they go. A hundred percent. And if you look at the amendment language, you just have to look. There's no definition for viability. They have the pen on this. They could have specifically stated the number of weeks, and then we'd be having a different conversation, Bob, but we're not. We're having the conversation about abortion up until birth, and that is not acceptable. Over 60 to 70% of Ohioans, and even America, I would say 70% of Americans based on polling, want some access to abortion, but this is too radical. This goes too far. We have our governor, DeWine, stating on the record with Mrs. Fran DeWine that he studied the amendment. This is too radical for Ohio, and it goes further than Roe v. Wade. So this isn't pro-choice versus pro-life. This is about what's pro-family, what's pro-parent, what's pro-child. What are we doing in our moral compass today? Because we are being attacked by the ACLU. The ACLU deliberately attacked Ohio because we're a battleground state. They're in the same state in Florida. Just I wish I could say down the road, but in Florida. And what they've done in Florida is a similar amendment. They specifically stated that the state legislature can pass parental consent laws. Because I'm sure our listeners know the Constitution trumps state laws. So if this ballot initiative were to pass, None of those protections in our state law are there. Parental consent is gone. Health and safety standards, such as 24-hour notification period for women, ambulatory care, which, God forbid, you go through an abortion. Why wouldn't you want ambulatory privileges to a hospital if something goes wrong? I mean, these are all protections. And I'm not making this up. You just have to look at the state up north and see Michigan has gotten rid, after they passed a similar amendment, they are getting rid of parental consent, notification, 24-hour waiting periods, ambulatory privileges. And the worst one is they are no longer going to ask a woman if she feels safe at home. Bob, when I go for my pregnancy checks, they keep me separate from my husband for 10 minutes to ask if I feel safe at home. Thank God I do. But what about the women who are being trafficked? What about the women who are being raped? Why aren't we going to ask them if they feel safe? These are the protections we have in Ohio law that will no longer exist. You're a thousand percent right. We are talking with Mehek Cook. She's an attorney and a spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio. And Mehek, you engaged in a debate, a forum, if you will, just a few uh, days ago with uh, one of the pro-issue one uh, um, uh, spokespersons, I guess, is what we'll call that person as well. 
And what I want to talk about, and I want you to give us a summary of, is some of the misconceptions, and, and that's a gentle euphemism for outright lies, um, that uh, exist um, on existing abortion, I don't want to use the word abortion care, reproductive care right now that is available because reproductive care is not something that we are opposed to that those of us who are pro-life are opposed to we want women to be able to get care we want women who are suffering things from very rare but they do exist ectopic pregnancies uh, miscarriages babies who die in utero and so forth they're telling us that that there is no care available in the state of Ohio for that, and of course there is, and that will never change, even if issue one is defeated. Those are some of the facts that I know you you went to great lengths to dispel, or some of the uh, myths I should say to dispel, to bring the facts in that debate. Can you summarize for us? The other side is fear mongering, and they're deceitful. It's intentional, and it's to scare one women today for an organization that is pro woman. Shame on them. This organization, ACLU, and the spokesperson continue to state that women would no longer have contraceptive care, miscarriage care, ectopic pregnancy care, and that is patently false. Today, when you go to your doctor, and look, I said this during the debate, you don't believe me, call your doctor. I can just give you my personal example. I have gone in great need, thinking I had a miscarriage last year. Thank God my son was born. It was the darkest hour of my life. But Riverside Hospital here in Columbus, Ohio, immediately admitted me and helped me from start to finish. They couldn't ensure I wasn't having a miscarriage given the loss and the amount of blood. But, Bob, they were with me. So anybody who states that we don't have miscarriage care, that we don't have contraceptions, that we don't have access, is lying. And the other lies that the ACLU is peddling, and I'm tired of it, is to state that there is a six-week ban to get today, regardless of the health of the mother. That is not true. You just have to Google it. The first line on Google will tell you, in Ohio, it's 22 weeks with exceptions. And this isn't, again, about pro-life, pro-choice. This is about what the facts are in Ohio. If we want change, Let's talk to our General Assembly, but we do not want this dangerous amendment submitted into our Constitution because we will not be able to change it. Every Ohioan will have to lawyer up, but the deceit and misinformation is shocking to me. It is disgusting, and I have to continue to ask every Ohio voter, please Google this. Please talk to your doctor. This is a lie. It's patently false. And for the other side to put up an attorney that can read the law and continue to peddle misinformation is disheartening. Yeah. Um, and the question is, is, is how can we get the truth out there? Um, my wife and I were watching TV just the other night. Um, I can't remember what, but one of the pro-issue one commercials came on, and it was the one filled with lies about women can't get miscarriage care, they have to carry their babies to term, blah, 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 and all some of the things we're talking about right now. And she knows it's a lie, and she knows it's wrong, and she said, how come I don't see any commercials telling the truth? And I said, well, there is a much, much bigger campaign this time around than there was for the um, uh, the uh, expansion of the uh, amendment uh, um 
uh, you know, the special election on August 8th to raise the threshold for, for amendments to be passed to 60%. We, there, there was not enough of a campaign. I said, there is a multi-million dollar campaign that is being put up and a great fight being put up by Ohio, Ohio Right to Life and a whole bunch of other pro-life groups, but there's only, only so many things you can fit into a 30 second commercial. And she said, well, then they need to make some commercials just about that because I know people at my work who think that if this doesn't pass, that women are going to have to carry dead babies in their uteruses and deliver them after nine months, and uh, they're not going to be able to get care for miscarriages and so forth. She said, I know these people. I listen to them. They don't get it. I try to explain it to them, but they don't get it. And this this disinformation campaign being put out there by the pro-issue one side is, is doing a lot of damage, and they're going to get a lot of people who don't necessarily support uh, late-term abortions, but are going to vote yes on this thing because they just don't know the truth. Bob, your wife is right in 30 seconds to get the message out because there's so much deceit and lies. Protect Women Ohio has done everything they can, and we're going to continue until the very end to continue to dispel lies. We have individuals on the grassroots effort on in every county knocking doors, and the doors swing open wider when we talk about parental rights, when we talk about allowing full-term abortions in the state of Ohio when we talk about health and safety concerns for women. So we're going to continue to pound the pavement and the airways to dispel lies. And it's unfortunate, but the best way that your wife and any individual out there that is questioning what I'm saying, call your doctor. When it comes to your health care, when it comes to access to contraception, miscarriage, even if you're not having one, even if you don't want contraception, just call your doctor and ask, is this available? At least you're getting the truth from your medical professional and not listening to the lies that the ACLU is peddling because that is fear-mongering. That is what is going to set women back in the state of Ohio. If they believe these lies, allow for issue one to be cemented in our Constitution, guess what? The debate ends. The debate ends on viability. The debate ends on parental consent. The debate ends on health and safety standards because they're going to be considered a burden. And we have seen that across the country where parental access and rights have failed. We have to protect our children, women, and girls today. So I urge everybody, regardless of what side you're on, this isn't about pro-life, pro-choice. This is about pro-family and having the autonomy to make decisions, especially for your child, if, God forbid, they have to go through an abortion or, God forbid, it's to save their life, that you can be with them. And it's not the rapist that is forcing the abortion, which, by the way, has happened. A soccer coach coerced a 14-year-old girl pretending to be her parent on the phone to Planned Parenthood and coerced this young girl to have an abortion. We have to stop this. It could be human trafficking and rapist right. in our child's lives. All of those are, are, are grotesque to think about, but you're right. They, they, those things are happening and can happen and will continue. Um, I want to I want to wrap here with um, your response to this, especially because, as you brought, brought up earlier in the conversation, this, this strips parents' rights away um, to guide their kids in, in these very difficult times and very difficult decisions they have to make. I want you to respond to this commercial, which is to me is one of the most – infuriating uh, that the pro-issue one side has put out there. Uh, so I'm going cook. Listen to this 30 seconds. Do not judge and you will not be judged. It's good advice every day. 
As a pastor, I've counseled families on the most important personal decisions, even abortion. Abortion is a private family decision. Government needs to stay out of family decision making. That's what issue one is all about. It gives families the freedom to make their own decisions without judgment and without the government getting involved. Vote yes. Okay. Now, Mehet Cook, aside from the idea of a Christian pastor uh, arguing in favor of aborting babies, which is completely and wholly inconsistent with the Christian faith, aside from that being infuriating about this commercial, the messaging is families need to be able to make these decisions. Families, 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 families. Yet issue one deliberately removes the parents from the equation by saying every individual has the right to make their own reproductive health care decisions, not every adult 18 or over. They said individual to allow children to do this without parental involvement. So when you see that commercial, how do you react to that? I mean, we have a pastor in the state of Ohio that's misleading Ohioans today. He has to look at the amendment, and I urge him to. Individual, Bob, you nailed it. It could be anybody, any age, making the decision for themselves. Where does it say family? Where does it say parental notification? Where does it have an age limit? It doesn't. And you know what? Every time I ask the other side and question and have repeatedly questioned the ACLU or proponents of this, they don't have an answer. They pivot to, well, we don't want government in our hospital room. Well, government isn't in your hospital room. Government is actually providing you protection. I am so shocked by this ad, and let me tell you, a hundred pastors got together in the state of Ohio, and Republican, Democrat didn't matter, and said, this is about life and death, and this is about making sure that families do have care, that they do have access, that we do protect the life of the unborn, and it is disgusting to see anybody, including a man of faith, peddling lies, because our families will be eviscerated if we allow for this amendment and this issue one to pass, we must vote no to keep our families, our moral compass, and our children safe. Mehet Cook, attorney and spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio, joining us. Uh, the message has to be repeated over and over and over again, not just up to November 7th, but right now because people can vote. Early voting is underway. Do not wait until game day. Uh, it's going to be too late then to, to make up a huge, huge deficit of those who are out there voting. Yes, right now, early voting. So let's get out there and vote no on issue one. And while we're at it, even though we're not discussing it here, vote no on issue two. Do it early. Go to your board of elections. Make sure that you bank your vote so that you don't have something unfortunate happen on Election Day and you can't get there to make that vote. Um, Mehet Cook, thank you for you uh, for what you and everyone at Protect Ohio, Women Ohio and Ohio Right to Life are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. It's uh, 10.58 now. We'll take a time out. The uh, last hour is wide open. It's yours. So I've had a lot of stuff to say today. I'd like to listen for a while, especially since I better save my voice. I've got Dr. Gorka this afternoon. I'll be hosting for Dr. G today from 3 to 6. So uh, let's hear from you. The answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? 
Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, eight minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It's the 19th morning of the 10th month in the year of our Lord, 2023. We had really in-depth conversations with Dr. Everett Piper and Mehet Cook over the course of the last hour. Uh, but now this hour is yours, 216-901-0945 once again. And we certainly welcome your thoughts. Um, it's, a, it's a very difficult time. Wartime is a difficult time. And I don't know about you. You tell me when you call. Do you feel like we're at war right now? The war is in the Middle East, but it's literally the dominant story and issue in the United States of America and has been since October 7th. It almost feels like we are at war. The only difference being, or rather the major difference being, that in this war we're not united behind the United States. I think in virtually every other war that I've read about or or lived through that we were involved in, we were all Team USA. And if we weren't just Team USA, we were Team USA allies. Well, the last time I checked, the United States is not allied or allied with terrorist organizations. We are not allies of Iran. We are not allies of their proxies, Hezbollah and Hamas. We're not allies of Syria. We're not allies of Jordan. We're not allies of Lebanon. We're not allies with anybody in the region except for Israel. And for the first time that I can recall, or that maybe I've even read about, I mean, I know that there were a lot of people who opposed the Vietnam War, and of course, massive protests were held. Uh, but there was nobody that was pro Vietnam. There wasn't anybody that was pro Russia, to my knowledge. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but most of the Vietnam War uh, protesters, to my knowledge, were protesting our existence there, our presence there, that we didn't need to go there and put American lives in jeopardy um, and sacrifice them for you know uh, something that that didn't involve us. You know, those who opposed it did not believe in the you know expansion expansion of you know the Soviet uh, you know communist regime, and they didn't care about it, and it wasn't worth American blood. It was different. Nobody was cheering, go Vietnam, go Vietnam, North Vietnamese, you know, you, you, we support you. That's the only one I can think of that's even close. Even those who disagreed with the Iraq war, nobody was cheering for Iraq. Right? People said, no, we shouldn't go. You know, it was made up of lies. There were no WMDs. And I won't litigate that whole thing here again. But nobody was cheering for Iraq. But now, in 2023... We have American citizens, college students, college professors, college administrators, 
newsroom workers, reporters, headline writers, editors, broadcasters, members of Congress who are openly cheering for the enemy, America's enemies. Hamas, a terror group, Hezbollah, a terror group funded by Iran, an American enemy, they're being supported by all of these people I just mentioned. Thousands of them. I don't even know how many. I've never seen a time when America did not unite behind an American war effort. And if you say, oh, it's because we're not at war, okay, we might not have boots on the ground, but you damn well better believe that if Israel's at war, we're at war. To the extent that we will indeed support them far more, at least we should, than, than we support Ukraine. I feel like we're at war. But there are anti-Americans who are openly cheering for the enemy. Demonizing the United States. Demonizing the United States allies. It's a very, very unique time. Jackie is calling us from Independence. Jackie, thank you for your patience. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Sorry to change the topic here, but I just wanted to talk about issue one for a moment. Um, Please do. I'm in agreement with you and your wife. I have seen nothing but the other side's ads for voting yes on issue one. And we know you're supposed to be voting no on issue one. But I would donate money if somebody said they were going to do an ad campaign to go up. They must have gazillions of dollars for that ad campaign. Mm. I've seen nothing but those ads. And I would donate money that was going to go directly to an ad campaign to fight this. And I'm sorry, but your last, your last mm. guess, if you can't have a succinct 15, 30-second uh, attack on those ads, then you, you're going to lose the battle because we know attention spans aren't great in this country. People mm-hmm. are talking in little tidbits like this. And to understand it, I've read the bill. It's, it's even hard to wrap your brain around the bill. So by telling people to go read the entire bill, telling people to go talk to their doctors about what methods they'll use if they have an, issues with their pregnancy, I don't think people are going to do that. I, I just have no hope that, that this is going to, we're going to win this issue. And I think it's because they can't attack it the way they're attacking us. Yeah, I, I, I will I will try to clarify something here, Jackie. Um, Please. Uh, I'm not suggesting that they're not, uh, these ads are not there. You said you're not seeing them. I am. I am seeing plenty of them. I am seeing a much more robust vote no on issue one campaign than we ever saw vote yes on issue one back in August when we wanted to raise the constitutional thresh- threshold for amendments. Um, they're there. What my wife was talking about was in the ads that we do see against issue one, they're not making clear the lie, uh, telling the, the, the truth of the realities in response directly to the lies in the vote yes on issue one ads that we're talking about, the ones that I asked Mehek Cook about. She's saying <clears throat> people at my work, <clears throat> excuse me. She's saying people at my work think that if uh, issue one is not passed, that there will be no abortion allowed in the state of Ohio at all, that that uh, life begins at conception, and anybody, once they're pregnant, they can't get any uh, any abortive care at all. And I said, no. I mean, I said, we, first of all, we, we right now it's 22 weeks because of viability, because the six-week-slash-heartbeat six bill that was passed and signed into law has been enjoined. And right now there's a, an injunction. So right now, um, uh, you know, you can get an abortion up to 22 weeks, which to me is grotesque, but that's what you can do, number one. And number two, I said, even if that... Um, 
uh, six-week heartbeat law is upheld, and it takes you know, over as the rule of law here, you will still be able to, if you have unplanned sex, or God forbid, or I want to say unplanned sex, if you have sex and, and are worried about an unplanned pregnancy, you still have roughly that six-week period to take a pregnancy test and find out if you're pregnant, and you can still have an abortion, even if the heartbeat law is in effect, before that baby develops its, it develops its heartbeat. And so I explained this to her, that would be the, the rule of law if, uh, you know, if, if uh, uh, the the case that is on its way essentially to the Supreme Court for the RP law is uh, is is denied um, that you'll still have that and her response was then why don't they say that in the ads so exactly. to me Jackie just to clarify I I, I I will not say they're not ads as a matter of fact I know protect women Ohio have literally uh, raised enough money and taken enough donations like you were talking about trying to do to buy multi-million dollar ad buys on TV all over the state of Ohio. And they are. And these ads are running. But my wife's chief complaint is, well, then why don't they say that in the ad so people know? Because people think this. And that's where I said, well, it's hard to fit all of that into 30 seconds and make it digestible and understandable for somebody in a 30-second commercial. So that's the challenge before us. But if they took one of their negative ads, the other side's negative ads, and literally attacked each of the points that they're making in those ads to correct it, I think you could do that in 30 seconds. Well, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, but, 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 you know, it's, it's all about how, you know, it's all about brevity and, and clarity, because if you think about it, all of the points that they're making in their pro issue one ad takes 30 seconds. And now if you want to take their point and then correct it and make the right point, you are automatically eating into your own 30 seconds by repeating theirs. So it just gets into, uh, it's just hard. You know what I mean? I know their, I know their efforts are extraordinary. I know they're trying every way they can to try to bring the truth out there, but it's just very hard without playing back what the other side said that's wrong and then saying, here's what's right. Um, and, and to do it in 30 or 60 seconds, it's just very, very difficult to do. And that's well, why they're saying to get more details. Well, maybe you can say that there's a lot of lies in this ad and go read this to find out the real truth. Right, I mean, which, which they do, which, which, is, which is at the end of every ad, um, it's go to... Protect Women Ohio, protectwomenohio.com, or it's on the screen, okay. or go to, so that people can see that. Like, I'm looking right now. You know, you said people, you know, don't know how to read it for for themselves, or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's difficult. Well, I'm looking right now at one of the screens uh, uh, on protectwomenohio.com, and it literally has the actual language of the amendment, and it is marked up with, with, um, with handwriting, essentially, underneath all of the stated points that are made in the amendment handwritten to explain what's right what's accurate what's wrong so the the real mission of the ad campaigns at this point is to go to our website and and if you still aren't sure call your doctor's office you don't even have to have an appointment to say hey can i get care if i have a miscarriage am i or are you not allowed Mm -hmm. to care for me unless issue one passes get the facts from the medical professionals i think is good advice but you know, short of that, again, just going to these websites, going to Protect Women Ohio, going to Ohio Right to Life, they break down every word of this amendment in great detail so that people know. And then the most important thing, of course, Jackie, is once you learn it for yourself, to share it. Share that link, share that screen, screenshot it on your phone, whatever it is you do with other people that might not understand. So that people who really, you know, uh, when they go and cast their vote uh, for issue one, know exactly what they are doing and what they are enabling and encourage them to change their minds and vote no on this thing. Okay, so that's protectwomenohio.com. 
www.protectwomenohio.org.com.com. Protectwomenohio.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that clarification. You, you, I, I pray you you're right, and I pray they win. So do I. So do I. Thank you for your call, too, and I appreciate your great concern, sir. Thank you. She's right. I mean, and like I said, my wife is right. It, it's it's hard to get it all in a commercial. And, and we live in such a fast food society right now where I want it. And I, you know what I mean by that? I mean, remember when fast food used to be fast, too? Now you're sitting at that window. Can you pull up? And we get really impatient. Well, people are impatient now if they don't get everything explained to them. Bing, bang, boom. Right now, here's how it is. Oh, okay, I got it. Um. We live in that society where it takes some time and some effort to understand something. And going to the website might take a little bit more than just if I have my TV on and it crosses my eyes. If I have to seek it out, oh, I don't know if I want to put that kind of effort into this whole thing. That's, just, that's the kind of society we live in. But if you really want to win, you have to convince people to do that. And you have to call radio shows like she just did. And let's get into this you know, prolonged discussion of this so people know where to go. You can read it for yourself, protectwomenohio.com. The one that I, let's see, the uh, tab I clicked at the top of the page for this one was just, it it says, Home About uh, Updates Media, Issue 1, Donate, Volunteer, Resources, Yard Signs. Click on the Issue 1 tab, and it will appear for you. Read it for yourself. And like I said, it's got the text of the language in the amendment, and then it's got the handwritten notes explaining what each one of these things means right next to it. And uh, it'll help you make up your mind to vote no on issue one. So it just takes a little bit of work. Charlie is next. Charlie, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, great show. Uh, listening to Dr. Piper, this bombing that happened, Oh, first of all, yes, got to vote no. If you're against the horror of war, you got to be against the horror of abortion. It's, a, it's bloody. It's the same thing. It's killing people. But anyways, what Dr. Piper said is, you know, a house divided. He was, you know, he was quoting Jesus. And our media is, it jumped on this wholeheartedly and said, you know, Israel bombed this, this hospital. Within 15 minutes, they said 300, 500 people were killed. Now the truth comes out. It wasn't Israel, and it, nobody. Uh, very few people got killed. They haven't come up with a number, but it was not five hundred. It was just a big lie, and it's it's, it's propaganda. It's propaganda. Yep. It's propaganda. And you know, when five six years ago, when Trump said the media is the enemy of the people, I thought this is out of you know he's out of bounds for saying this, and he was so right. He, he, the, the media. Anytime I uh, the media takes one side, I look for the other side because. The media is so biased against this country. It's tra- it's betrayal. And I, I, I'd add in uh, higher education and public education, they're betraying our nation, and they are the enemy of the people. And I don't know where you, you where you change, but this country is divided. I think our our House of Representatives is so d- divided. That's why we can't pick a a leader because it, it, we're all divided, and uh, we're in trouble. This country. I don't think we could fight a war. Well, you, you you went into a lot of areas there, and I'll say thank you for the call, Charlie. I'll go back to your original point about the misinformation about the hospital attack. For those who don't know that reality, um, it is uh, believed now that the the bomb that, that was launched from Gaza by Islamic Jihad, which is a supporter of Hamas, of course, an offshoot of Hamas, that 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 uh, did land within Gaza instead of over the wall and into Israel, did not hit the hospital directly. It hit a parking lot next to it. It did some damage. And there were some casualties, but nobody knows how many, because where are you going to get that number? From Hamas? 
you cannot trust Hamas. Hamas came out and said Israel did it, and it was 500 children. Specifically, it was a hospital, and apparently a hospital only for women and children, because they said 500 women and children were killed. Um, it's a lie. It's propaganda, and uh, the fact that some American media are so quick to believe that propaganda and to take the word of a terrorist organization is just, um, well, it's it's uh, systemic, I guess, in terms of the problems we have in this country. Thank you. I just got a note, Seth. Uh, what did you just uh, What did you just find out about the speaker vote? According to Fox News, uh, Jordan's going to cancel the third vote. Jordan has canceled the third vote. That's what Fox News is reporting right now. Well, he, he and he's going to back the uh, the pro temper uh, speaker. Pat, so, uh, Patrick Henry. So Henry. is he withdrawing? Uh, it doesn't say that he's withdrawing. It just says that he's will cancel the third uh, vote to elect speaker in the house and will back Patrick McHenry, McHenry until January. Oh, so they want to do that temporary thing. The the yes. the uh, so so till just so what uh, forty five. Well, it's more than forty five days till January. But uh, so he is he is basically saying I don't want to have another vote for speaker. Yeah, I mean he can't make that decision, right? I mean he's just you know he's a nominee. He's not he's not the one who calls the vote. <clears throat> but he is saying he doesn't want it. Is what you're telling me? That's what Fox News is reporting. Jordan to cancel third vote will back McHenry until January, according to Fox News. Wow. What an absolute disaster. It's a breaking story. So I sent you the entire article that's only I mean, it's only a couple paragraphs long. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. I just wanted to uh, get it because I didn't have a chance to read it. I did see a note. Um, wow. That's, um, that's a problem. And you want to know why that's a problem? It's a problem because Matt Gates made it one. Not only did Matt Gates make it one, but now the 20 or so that, can, that refused to vote for Jordan to get this thing done... Um, they just essentially are terrified, I think, of having their of having their business as usual routine uh, of being uprooted. Jordan is a direct threat to the radical spending that this country is on, this spending addiction that we have. Jordan as a speaker is a direct threat to so much of what has made moderate Republicans comfortable and happy in their seats. That's why they are they're opposed to him. Now, you might say, well, then it isn't good that McCarthy was booted because he made those people comfortable. No, it's not, unless there was a plan B. You don't enact plan A and then say, we'll see what happens after that. Gates booted McCarthy without any plan in place. He was asked afterwards, by the way, you know, who are you going to support for speaker? You know, what about Steve Scalise? He said, I'm very fond of Steve Scalise. He'd be a great speaker. Steve Scalise is Kevin McCarthy. He's Kevin McCarthy. So what would you think about, uh, you know, Jim Jordan? Jim Jordan, we agree with me. He was like, whatever happens, happens, I'm fine, as long as it's not Kevin McCarthy, because it was a personal grudge not doing what's right for his country. It wasn't about passing individual appropriations bills. It wasn't, pass, it wasn't about cutting spending. And it wasn't about any of those things. Gates indulged his own ego at the expense of the Congress. And now we're going to end up with a Speaker Pro Tem in charge of the Congress, in charge of the House, until January? This is, this is, I'd like to say it's unbelievable, but it's not. It's very on brand. It is very much on brand for the dysfunctional Republican Party. We are a clown show. I said it three days ago, and I'll say it again. We 
are the closing 60 seconds of every Benny Hill show you've ever seen. That's what we are. That's what we look like. What it is. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. You can picture it, can't you? When you hear the music, can't you picture the end of the Benny Hill show? You probably got to be a Gen Xer or um, or older to know Benny Hill, I guess. I don't think my kids would get this. Millennials may be on the older end of the millennial scale, but anyway, um, we all remember how that that's that's the United States House of Representatives right now. That's the Republican Party that is leading the United States House of Representatives right now. That's just reality. It's it's a clown show. It's a circus. They're chasing one another at, at sped-up speeds, trying to decide who's going to be the nominee, who's going to be the, the speaker, who's going to be, and then they were turn around the other way, and then they turn around the other way, we're going to have a vote today, and then they turn around the other way, oh, we didn't go. It's, 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 it's that. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan will support Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry to be the temporary speaker until January after failing to receive the necessary 217 votes twice. A source familiar with uh, the situation told the Daily Caller that Jordan will continue to run and try to shore up votes until then. He remains the Speaker-designee, not dropping out. McHenry temporary until January. Jordan will announce that he will not hold a third vote for Speaker as planned and that he will get behind the plan to temporarily empower McHenry until January 3rd. Jordan will remain the Speaker designee. Um, Yeah, and the rest of this is just redundant. It's 217 is what he needs. He got 200 uh, on Tuesday. He got 199, one fewer on Wednesday, and he doesn't want to have another one. So I'm kind of right and kind of wrong, because my prediction was is that knowing Jim Jordan the way I feel like I know Jim Jordan, he, there's no way he's going to beg the way uh, Kevin McCarthy did to be the speaker. He's not going to allow 15 votes to go by before he has to cut deals and make uh, concessions and so forth in order to get the gavel, because he doesn't want it that much. He, he's willing to serve, but this isn't something that he desires to have to do. So I, I, I knew he wouldn't sit there through that humiliation. But, so I was right on that point, he doesn't want to have another vote right now, but he is willing to stay on as the nominee or as the designee until November, or until January 3rd, hoping that he can somehow win over some of those 20 holdouts between now and then. So yeah, it is. It's the end of the Benny Hill Show, and it's on a loop. It's on a loop every single day coming out of, uh, coming out of con- Congress right now. All right, let's go back to the phones. We're going to talk to, um, how about uh, John in Berea? Hi, John. You're on the air. Fire away. Yes. Uh, I really like that interview that you had with the lady right before 11 o'clock. My problem is maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me there's too much focus on putting out pro-life and uh, and no on issue one uh, messages 
on conservative media when you're already when you're talking when you're the, in that situation you're talking to the uh, you know choir so to speak. That is a problem I've I've perceived all along the line. Although it does give me a heart, Hardy, when you um, when you mention that they are work they they have been getting the messages out because I too have not uh, seen a lot, although I've seen some. Yeah, you know, my wife is um my wife is a traditionalist TV watcher. She likes 358 and 19 from back in the day before cable and before a million different streaming services. So when the TV is on and she's got the controls and it's on one of the networks, one of the local Cleveland uh stations, they're on there. They're in which is good because it's what you just said rather than preaching to the choir or trying to convert the already converted by putting your ads on on conservative media. Uh, I agree with you, and and it is important to get it out here too, so that you and I and Jackie, who called before, can share the messages with other people about what the the truth is. They are advertising on the local TV stations in in Cleveland, in Toledo, in Columbus, in Cincinnati, in Youngstown, the biggest cities and areas um, uh, all throughout the state. So they are on those as well, so that they aren't just you know trying to convert the converted. One more super quick thing. I yeah. hear on, on your show, I've heard uh, some messages that are coming from uh, from Lorraine, Lorraine uh, Life, and I, I th- I've heard a couple of them. That, I don't know how many there are, but they're, mm-hmm. well, they're good. Lor- you're talking the about Lorraine, ones, the, Lorraine, the that, Lorraine Right to Life? One, yeah, I heard, them on your, I heard them on your show. I've heard them on your show. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to make sure which ones you were talking about, and, and I'm glad to hear that you like them, and I'm glad that's, because uh, that's what we need, is we need them to be effective. John, thank you, and I appreciate the message. I am not going to fault anybody who's on the right-to-life side, by the way, for the campaign that is underway, or that has been underway for some time. They took this very, very seriously. They've been running for a while. Now, we're still not, we don't have enough funding to match Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood and the pro-death cult, um, they are very well financed. They are always going to probably be able to outspend in terms of the number of TV commercials about these things. They're probably going to, you know, they're outspending them probably three to four to one. But they are, we are still seeing on the pro-life side, you know, multi-million dollar ad buys. And like I said, they're not all in one area. They're all throughout the state. They have to reach the entire state, and they have to reach them through a variety of different media sources. Um, The best way to do it, to me, is still going to be word of mouth. If you know the facts, and if you know where to find the information on, you know, Protect Women Ohio or whatever site that you use, um, share it with them. We can be our own advertising campaign if we do it right. So that's the the best way I can say it. John, thank you for that. Um, Steve is in uh, Collinwood. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I want to say that uh, I think all the Jews in America are grateful for any of the help that we're getting right now. But part of the Blinken plan, and that goes with President Biden's visit, they keep reiterating this two-state solution that that is the heart of the matter. And this pro- two-state solution project is, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's dead because, you, you know, Blinken has had a project going in Jordan where he's been training uh, ostensibly Palestinian policemen. It's a little Palestinian army. And uh, that that's part of, they, they want to uh, have that, that, those policemen of that little army being patrolling in in Jerusalem when we hand over our capital. That's, that's you know, the share of the capital. And the two-state solution, it's suicide because 
think about it. If Israel were to have taken down settlements in the West Bank like they did in Gaza, the number of rockets entering Israel would be three to ten times that. You're right. So, but this is part of the Blinken project that uh, ostensibly, and they may even commit U.S. troops if it heats up in the West Bank. They may even commit U.S. troops to ostensibly protect the Palestinian civilians as part of a humanitarian effort. Because uh, I hate to think that you might be right, but I, but I, but I think you might be. Uh, you know, it's 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 staggering to me the uh, the equivocation that they have that this administration is exhibiting uh, in this matter, rather than being unequivocally supportive of the victims and all of this, which is Israel. I I don't understand the equivocation, the willingness to arm or fund or send aid to Gaza, which they know is going to end up in the hands of Hamas. Um, it is uh, it's it's beyond my comprehension to see how they can. Uh, it's feeding the alligator and hoping that he'll eat you last. There, that's well said, Steve. That's well said. Steve, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Very, very great comment. Uh, let's do uh, TJ in Cleveland. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hello, Bob. You know, Bob, what's happening now is bad with this support of Hamas, but I'm telling you, it's not near as bad as what happened during the Vietnam War. You know, we had movie stars like Jane Fonda over there cohorting with the enemy while Americans were being killed on the battlefield. Uh they had people calling the parents a dead...